Hey, how you doing? This is Tony. Welcome to Finding Subjects Podcast. What's happening? Hopefully everything's going well. A little uh, shifting around the schedule this week. So we're going to actually record Wednesday night with Bink and Bob and myself. So until then, you got to put up with me. And we'll do something just a little bit different. We'll release this tomorrow. So that'll be a happy Monday for you all. Wherever you are. It's already Monday in a lot of places. Like South Africa. Hello, Amber. Hopefully you got our message from here. And everybody, happy Monday wherever you are on this beautiful planet of ours. Uh, let me see what we're going to do today. First, I'm going to start out with, like I always do, how you doing? And I want to hit you with a second question. How do you deal with stress? Good question. I think about that and thought about that because this past week we had a birthday Mr. George Harrison of the Beatles. He was a big meditation guy. We'll talk more about him in a little bit. But today's about stress and stress reduction. We'll talk a little bit about uh, stress management. And understand that a little bit more. Stress management is a wide spectrum of techniques and psychotherapies. Excuse me. I'll move this around. Uh, aimed at controlling a person's level of stress, especially chronic stress usually for the purpose of improving everyday functioning. Yeah, stress produces numerous physical and mental symptoms, which vary according to each individual's situational factors. These can include a decline in physical health, such as headaches, chest pain, fatigue, and sleep problems. And you're wondering, Tony, are you just uh, knowledgeable of all this stuff? And I would say no. I spent the night at the Holiday Inn Express. And actually, I'm reading from uh, a writing, How Stress Affects Your Body and Behavior, from the Mayo Clinic, retrieved in uh, June 29th, 2022. It's cool to get the factoids on a lot of this stuff that we truly don't understand. So back to stress management. These can include a decline in physical health, such as headaches, chest pain, fatigue, and sleep problems, as well as depression. The process of stress management is named as one of the keys to a happy and successful life in modern society. Life often delivers numerous demands that can be difficult to handle, but stress management provides a number of ways to manage anxiety and maintain overall well-being. Despite stress often being thought of as a subjective experience, levels of stress are readily measurable using various physiological tests similar to those used in polygraphs. It goes on to talk about a lot of different stuff. Here's a transactional model. In 1981, Richard Lazarus and Susan Folkman suggested that stress can be thought of as resulting from an imbalance between demands and resources, or as occurring when pressure exceeds one's perceived ability to cope. Stress management was developed and premised on the idea that stress is not a direct response to a stressor, but rather one's resources and ability to cope mediate the stress response, thus allowing stress to be controllable. Among the many stressors mentioned by employees, these are the most common. Conflicts in company. The way employees are treated by their bosses, supervisors, or company. Lack of job security. Company policies. Co-workers who don't do their fair share. Your paperweights. Unclear expectations, poor communication, not enough control over assignments, inadequate pay or benefits, urgent deadlines, too much work, long hours, time consumption, 
uncomfortable physical conditions, relationship conflicts, coworkers making careless mistakes, dealing with rude customers, lack of cooperation, and how the company treats the coworkers. The health realization innate health model of stress is also founded on the idea that stress does not necessarily follow the presence of a potential stressor. Instead of focusing on the individual's appraisal of so-called stressors in relation to his or her own coping skills, the health realization model focuses on the nature of thought, stating that it is ultimately a person's thought process that determines the response to potentially stressful external circumstances. In this model, stress results from appraising oneself and one's circumstances through a mental filter of insecurity and negativity. Whereas a feeling of well-being results from approaching the world with a quiet mind. I like that. I want to read that sentence again because it's kind of important. In this model, stress results from appraising oneself and one's circumstances through a mental filter of insecurity and negativity. Whereas a feeling of well-being results from approaching the world with a quiet mind. What I get from that is something that we talk about a lot. is when you have that loop running and running, running inside your head. It could be a vortex of negativity, like I used to call it, still call it that, where you're just hearing the same negative mantra within your own head and you got to kind of, as they say, approach the world with a quiet mind. You know, stop reminding yourself, pushing through that mental filter of insecurity and negativity that is kind of like a big-time catalyst for stress. So it goes on to say, in fact, that is from, that was from uh, R.C. Mills, realizing mental health towards a new psychology of resiliency, Schultzberg and Graham Publishing, and Sigmund J.A., health realization, innate health, can a quiet mind and a positive feeling state be accessible over the lifespan without stress relief techniques? It's important to read these resources where they come from. It's called giving them credit for their words. And their research. So, anyway, there's different kinds of stress. There's acute stress and chronic stress. Acute stress is the most common form of stress among humans worldwide. It deals with the pressures of the near future or the very recent past. While acute stress is often interpreted as being a negative experience, it can actually be beneficial and even necessary for one's well-being because of its protective effects against potentially dangerous threats. Slamming on the brakes while driving in order to avoid a car accident could be considered a moment of beneficial acute stress. Running or any form of exercise would also be considered an acute stressor. Some exciting or exhilarating experiences such as riding a roller coaster is an acute stress, but it is usually very enjoyable for some. <laughs> acute stress is a short-term stress and as a result does not have enough time to do the damage that long-term stress causes. And that came from Catherine McGonigal and Ronald Kessler. Chronic stress, acute stress, depressive symptoms. And that came from the American Journal of Community Psychology. Chronic stress, unlike acute stress, which only lasts for a moment, chronic stress lasts for longer time spans. It has a wearing effect on people that can become a very serious health risk if it continues over a long period of time. Chronic stress can lead to memory loss. Damage spatial recognition and produce a decreased drive of eating. Additional symptoms of chronic stress include aches and pains, insomnia, or other sleep disturbances, changes in social behaviors, low energy, emotional withdrawal, or other changes in emotional responses, and unfocused thinking. 
Chronic stress has also been associated with other medical conditions like hypertension, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and arthritis. That's Good Stress, Bad Stress, the news center in Samoan, retrieved uh, this July 15, 2022. The severity varies from person to person. Gender differences may also be an underlying factor. Women are able to take longer durations of stress than men without showing the same maladaptive changes. Men can deal with shorter stress duration better than women can, but once males hit a certain threshold, the chances of them developing mental issues increase drastically. And that is from chronic stress effects on memory, sex differences in performance, hormones, and behavior. Hey now, that's some good reading right there. So it goes on and on, talks about different industries in regards to aviation, which, as you can imagine, is a very high-stress industry. Uh, need a uh, high level of precision at all times. And that could lead to a lot of psychological stress experienced by aviators. So it keeps on going about certain things here. But what we want to talk about tonight is de-stressing. And in order to do that, I wanted to first talk about a gentleman that we all know and love. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. George Harrison. So George Harrison was a... uh, an English musician, singer-songwriter who achieved international fame as the lead guitarist of the Beatles. He was born February 25th, 1943, and he passed away November 29th, 2001. And my God, my God, that seems like yesterday. I mean, I could remember that like it was yesterday. Uh, Sometimes called the Quiet Beatle, Harrison embraced the Indian culture and helped broaden the scope of popular music through his incorporation of Indian instrumentation and Hindu-aligned spirituality in the Beatles' work. Although the band's majority of songs were written by Lennon and McCartney, most Beatle albums from 1965 onward contained at least two Harrison compositions. His songs for the group include Taxman, Within You, Without You, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, Here Comes the Sun, and Something. Harrison's earliest musical influences included George Formby and Django Reinhardt. Subsequent influences were Carl Perkins, Chet Atkins, and Chuck Berry. By 1965, he had begun to lead the Beatles into folk rock through his interest in Bob Dylan and the Birds and towards Indian classical music through his use of Indian instruments, such as sitar, which he had become acquainted with on the set of the movie Help. He played the sitar on numerous Beatles songs, starting with Norwegian Wood, also known as This Bird Has Flown. Having initiated the band's embracing of transcendental meditation, he subsequently developed an association with the Hare Krishna movement. And after the band's breakup in 1970, Harrison released the triple album, All Things Must Pass, a critically acclaimed work that produced his most successful hit single, My Sweet Lord, and introduced his signature sound as a solo artist, the slide guitar. So it talks about his uh, spiritual influence and his uh, experimenting or embracing transcendental meditation. And that in itself right there is kind of like where we're going towards in regards to managing stress and meditation. Now, I also read a long time ago that his, uh, his home, I think it was Henley on the Thames, is where his home was. And he used to fly a flag that used to read, um over his land, over his building. I think it was uh, Friar Park Estate is where he lived. And I heard he would love to talk about meditation and his beliefs to anyone who would ask. Wow. 
By the mid-1960s, Harrison had become an admirer of Indian culture and mysticism and introducing it to the other Beatles. During the filming of Help in the Bahamas, they met the founder of Sevanada Yoga, Swami Vishnu Vedabha. Wow. Swami Vishnu Devanadada, who gave each of them a signed copy of his book, the complete illustration of Book of Yoga. Between the end of the last Beatles tour in 1966 and the beginning of the Sgt. Pepper recording sessions, he made a pilgrimage to India with his first wife, Patty Boyd. There, he studied sitar with Ravi Shankar, met several gurus, and visited various holy places. In 1968, he traveled with other Beatles to Rishikesh in northern India to study meditation with the Maharashi Mahish Yogi. Harrison's experiences with LSD in the mid-60s served as a catalyst for his early pursuance of Hinduism. In a 1977 interview, George recalled, For me, it was like a flash. The first time I had acid, it just opened up something in my head that was inside of me, and I realized a lot of things. I didn't learn them because I already knew them, but that happened to be the key that opened the door to reveal them. From the moment I had that, I wanted to have it all the time. These thoughts about the yogis and the Himalayas and Ravi's music. However, Harrison stopped using LSD after a disenchanting experience in San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury neighborhood, he recounted in the book, The Beatles Anthology. That was the turning point for me. That's when I went right off the whole drug cult and stopped taking the dreaded lysergic acid. I had some in a little bottle. It was liquid. I put it under a microscope, and it looked like bits of old rope. I thought that I couldn't put that in my brain anymore. In line with the Hindu yoga tradition, Harrison became a vegetarian in the late 60s. And after being given religious books by Shankar in 66, he remained a lifelong advocate of the teachings of Swami Vivekananda and Paramahashana Yoga Nanada. Yogis and authors, respectively of Raja Yoga, an autobiography of Yogi, not to be confused with Yogi Bear. In mid-1969, he produced a single Hare Krishna mantra performed by the members of the London Rahanda Krishna Temple. Having also helped the temple devotees become established in Britain, Harrison then met their leader, A.C. Bhaktivatata, Swami Prabhu Bapanda, whom he described as my friend, my master, and a perfect example of everything he preached. Harrison embraced the Hare Krishna tradition, particularly Japa Yoga, chanting with beads, and became a lifelong devotee. In 1972, he donated his Lechmore Heath mansion north of London to the devotees. It was later converted to a temple and renamed Bakitavita Danta Manor. <laughs> Regarding other faiths, he once remarked, all religions are branches of one big tree. It doesn't matter what you call him, just as long as you call. He commented on his beliefs. Krishna was actually in a body as a person, what makes it complicated is, if he's God, what's he doing fighting on a battlefield? It took me ages to figure that out, and again, it was Yoganada's spiritual interpretation of the Bhagavad Gita that made me realize it, what it was. Our idea of Krishna and Rahu on a battlefield in the chariot. So this is the point that we're in these bodies, which is like kind of a chariot. Getting anywhere here? Boy, oh boy. Be that as it may. And with that said, we will get into some of uh, George's songs. Relax and chill. What is Transcendental Meditation, by the way? Um, 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 pretty relaxed. 
found something called Far Out Magazine from the UK. And it says that uh, Harrison offered up an account of the purpose of meditation. The purpose is to transcend from this relative state of consciousness to an absolute state of consciousness. People will think, this is me. This isn't me. This is just a bag of bones, he argued. Basically, everybody's spirit is really what Christ was here to tell everybody about. The kingdom of heaven, the lives within, is the state of being of pure consciousness. It's very deep. I hear a cat. So with that, how I would meditate often is kick back to very chill, low-key, positive music. Just listen to them. Take myself away. Relax. Concentrate on my breathing. In and out. Let all that negative energy flow away. Why let it internalize and beat you up? You got to get rid of it. Concentrate on your breath, on your thoughts. That busy mind, you got to quiet. And in that way, it helps me a lot to reduce my stress levels. Also taking a walk. How about you? So without further ado, let's get into some George Harrison. Have a fantastic day today. We will talk to you multiple times this week. You're listening to Finding Subjects Podcast.